Lego was riding a hive wave from 2002 to 2004 with Marvel, producing tons of sets, very successful line, and everything seemed great. It seemed like this was one of the future like pillars for Lego license teams. So here we come, 2006. Right as things are turning around and there's a Spider-Man movie set to come out in 2007, Spider-Man 3, there takes a huge turn. Mega Block steps into the picture and things just start falling apart. So yeah, before we dive into how Mega Blocks ruined everything, or in quotation marks ruined, let's just put some numbers on the sheet. So from 2002 to 2005, Lego had a license from Marvel to sell Spider-Man themed sets with conjunction to the first two Spider-Man movies, known as Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2 themes. And the license only applied to Spider-Man alone, so Lego couldn't make any other Marvel characters into Lego sets. And come to the October 2004, Marvel and Mega Bloks announced that they will have a multi-year partnership slash license, which would allow Mega Bloks to not only create Spider-Man sets, but also a couple other characters. Um, seems like there isn't a whole lot of easy info to access, so I don't have the exact characters on hand, but they did have more access than LEGO did. And basically, um, come time in 2007, when Spider-Man 3 came out, Lego no longer had the license with uh, Marvel, but rather Mega Bloks. So Mega Bloks basically took over and created their own sets. Um, there's, like I said before, Mega Bloks doesn't have as big of like an archival or fan base compared to Lego. So info isn't as easy to come by, but from what we could find, there were a couple sets based off of it. There was one where Spidey fought Sandman by the bank, and then there's the final battle where Spidey fights Sandman and Venom. Very basic sets, um, you know, I don't want to dive too much into Mega Blocks because A, I'm not the biggest fan, so I feel like I would not give a good enough insight into it, and B, it's Mega Blocks, why would I want to talk about Mega Blocks on a Lego podcast? I mean, they're just like Mega Blocks figures and Mega Blocks building things, pretty standards, like you'll get a building, vehicles, whatnot. Um, so yeah, it seemed like... This was a golden opportunity ripped away from Lego because they were riding such a high wave and to suddenly lose this was like a blow to them. But then again, uh, as we'll go on later on, Lego would re uh, regain the license. And yeah, I don't want to get too far into it because I actually want to talk to J my friend Josh here again. Hello. <laughs> Josh. And yeah, so you want to just, because there's like not really any Lego sets, I don't want to dive into like the sets or anything you want to just mm -hmm. talk about spider-man 3 culture wise all that stuff at the time just give us like a background of it yeah i wanted to bring this up earlier like uh, because we were talking a lot about how um what people thought about the um the marvel universe at the time well, there really wasn't any universe really but what Marvel, what the audience felt about marvel at the time that all these movies were being made at the time i'd say there were two big things happening there were um, there's Spider-Man movies and then there were the X-Men movies. I don't know if you ever watched any of the X-Men movies. I have not. This is like the Hugh Jackman days when, you know, Wolverine and stuff. So X-Men were still pretty popular. And then it was like, after this, we'd see like a dip because, you know, they weren't in the MCU yet and people kind of forgot about them, which is pretty sad. But yeah, so those are the two things that are really going for Marvel before the MCU. And there was also the Fantastic Four movies, which were not well received. But at the time... 
when I think about it, there were a lot of good things happening. And then all of a sudden, there was sort of like a nosedive. So there was a Spider-Man, and it, it happened with the trilogy format. I don't know why, but like with Spider-Man 3, there was a big nosedive in quality. With X-Men 3, Last Stand, there was a big dive in quality. And then like just things would just change after that with the MCU launching and whatnot. But anyway, with Spider-Man 3... Um, I don't know if this had any impact. Well, it wasn't released yet by the time the Mega Bloks deal was done, right? Um, Mega Bloks deal was done around 2010-ish, I would say. Yeah, around. Interesting. So, so like the, the sets, the Mega Bloks sets dropped like three years after the movie happened? Oh, no, they dropped at the time, like 07, but they oh, okay. didn't fully lose all Marvel rights. Like just because they had more than one character they had rights to. So okay. they didn't stop for until like around then, I would say around 2010, early, very early 2011. Yeah. Anyway, so um, I think stakes are really high on like screenwriters and directors to keep up with the pressure because, you know, there's no MCU yet. Um, these are the only things like attaching people to the world of superheroes, right? And now, so with X-Men and then with Spider-Man, they have two really successful movies, right? Um, there's a lot of pressure to pull off like a really good third movie. And even at the time, the trilogy format I'm talking about wasn't like set in stone. Sam Raimi was planning like a fourth movie, like well in advance. But basically a lot of things didn't work out for Spider-Man. And um, I like to take this time to acknowledge like a kind of like a meme in the Spider-Man community. So there's... There's Spider-Man villains, right? There's like Venom, Green Goblin and stuff, right? Yeah. But there are two unseen Spider-Man villains that are a little unknown and should receive a lot more attention for how they treat Spider-Man. One is the Marvel editorial, like <laughs> the people in charge of the Spider-Man comics, because because of them, Spider-Man has been suffering for years. Yeah. I think even recently, last week, a new issue dropped. And this is canon, by the way, where he broke up with MJ and refers to her as a sister. So really? he doesn't really have feelings for her in that way. So yeah, a lot of bad decisions with the comic books right now. Spider-Man fans are Spider-Man fans are in agony. The second unseen villain who is behind a, a you know like a smokescreen and has a lot of influence over the character is this guy called Avi Arad. Mm -hmm. He's a producer at Sony, and I feel like he's almost single-handedly was like responsible for the mess that Spider-Man Three was. So original plans for uh, Spider-Man 3 were Sandman was going to be in the film. And by this point, Sam Raimi had kind of figured out a formula, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I, we were talking about why Spider-Man 2 was successful. And it's because it took this more dramatic approach to storytelling, right? Yeah. That being like, um, Doc Ock was a little bit more, if he, he had a little bit more humanity. And Spider-Man had his own like, uh, personal issues in that movie, right? So I think he figured he honed in on a formula, and he wanted Sandman to be the focus of this movie. And he and he still is kind of like he pulled off some great stuff with Sandman. You remember how he had like the kid who had cancer, and you felt bad for him even. Yeah. So like a lot of stuff worked with Sandman, but here comes Avi Arad, who like forces him to cram in Venom, <laughs> like in the movie, and yeah. uh, Harry Osborn, just like cramming in all these characters and he also made him cram in Gwen Stacy as like a love um triangle between MJ Spider-Man and Gwen Stacy and so that's probably where I kept saying Gwen earlier yeah 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 so just there's just so much stuff that he wanted to happen in this one movie that it just all sort of fell apart right 
and like between also the symbiote um what do you, what do you call it storyline where he gets the black suit and now he's like you get emo Spider-Man. Yeah. I don't remember that. <laughs> then Spider-Man. So like the movie ended up being like a mess. And I feel like this was like the necessary nosedive before the MCU kind of. Yeah. Well, I guess your friend over there created like the ultimate Spider-Man bastardized fan because me, I I thought Green New Goblin was cool. I liked the Venom suit. Oh and, yeah. Oh yeah. And, no, it's, there's yeah. no like issues with like Venom. So I, as a kid, uh, when I saw the teaser trailer where... Like it was just a t- it was just like Spider Man suit, and then all of a sudden you see the symbiote crawl up. I yeah. thought that was the coolest thing ever, and I was like the biggest Venom fan, mm-hmm. and like I was so excited as a kid. But in retrospect, there's too much stuff crammed in that one movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like th- there was too way too much to focus on. Right? Yeah. I don't know if you remember. Like, there's like the first third of the movie that's about Sandman. Mm-hmm. Then he gets a symbiote suit, mm-hmm. and then there's like the whole revenge arc. Yeah, I remember. And then there's the Eddie Brock thing storyline, and mm-hmm. all this is happening while MJ and Peter Parker like cheating on each other, like breaking yeah. up, and like you know, there's just way too much yeah. stuff happening. It's not that just sounds like a headache already. That sounds yeah. like a multi-season show kind of thing. Exactly, but. yeah, and that's the whole point. Yeah, it was just too much, way yeah. too much stuff. Bit off more than they could chew. Yeah, yeah, and that would go on to affect what Sam Raimi wanted for the fourth movie, right? Oh, like this, like yeah, what would happen? The oh fourth, yeah, yeah. yeah. Direct, so direct, like, direct. if anyone's like unfamiliar, so there was a fourth movie planned. The main character in that, the main villain in that was going to be uh, Mysterio. I don't know if you remember Fish, Fish Globe. Yeah, he had like the, the cloudy yeah. helmet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I remember, I think Sam Raimi was just so disappointed with how Spider-Man 3 turned out. He didn't want anyone to really like mesh with, mess with his vision. So he just, I remember he just left. Oh. <laughs> just gave up. And then that, it was somewhat of a good thing because it led to the Amazing Spider-Man series with Andrew Garfield. Fantastic. But at the same time, Sony was still very stubborn in giving up the rights to Spider-Man so that... Yeah. While this new series launched, he, Spider-Man was still not part of the MCU. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of, like, logistical mess, like, everywhere. And I think that's a perfect setup to what happened here because... So I'm guessing both, like, in products with the toys and both in the film, like, it looks like everything was starting to look a little grim. Like, Marvel was taking a hit in terms of quality. Fans yeah. were not happy. It was starting to hit towards an uncertain direction. Mm-hmm. And even for Legos, like... This looked like it was it was starting to get its baby steps up, and right when it did, it got swung in the kneecaps and fell right back down because <laughs> it lost the theme to Mega Blocks. Yeah. But then, as things were looking grim, here comes 2009 at 10-ish. Marvel Entertainment was actually bought out by Walt Disney Company, as I'm sure you know. Yeah. And this actually lined up perfectly because just like a year or so ago, Lego actually was partnering with Disney and started making like Toy Story sets and stuff. So they already there's already an, like a beginning establishment between the two, and around July 2011, it was announced that Lego would regain or in this case obtain the license to um, all of Marvel's characters this time actually. Mm-hmm. So they took one step back and like a million steps forward because where they lost the original Spider-Man. Now that their partner would they had like a nice partnership with Disney before, mm. and now that Disney picked up Marvel, they're like, here you have the whole like bowl of fruit. Yeah, yeah. you can cut it, eat it, like cook it, do whatever you want with it. Mm-hmm. And um, that was huge because with like 2012, you'd see like Lego start making Avenger sets. You get like the Iron Man's, the Captain America's, the <laughs> big leap, yeah, just everything, yeah. yeah. So. This is like a huge thing where like yeah. suddenly like it, maybe it wasn't so bad like let mm-hmm. mega blocks take the hit like they took the hit they 
we'll let him have Spider-Man 3. Those, th- that yeah. movie sucks. Like, and anyway, yeah. like the big thing about this is that now that they own all the characters, they don't really have to focus on films that were being released that were, like, were part of non-Disney. Like, so like Spider-Man 3 is still owned by Sony and all the movies are going to be like Sony films, but yeah. they don't have to do sets for those films. They can just do generic Spider-Man ones. Exactly. And that's what we'll see nowadays. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. we'll see like generic like Spider-Man mech or Spider-Man buggy, Spider-Man airplane, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So they can still capitalize yeah. on the character. So yeah, it all worked out. And around the same time, actually, Lego did like a little one-two punch, but around the same time they got the Marvel rights, they actually expanded the license deal with DC Comics and would include all of the, the DC characters and um, we'll actually see this in a future episode slash series, but the original Batman 2006 sets was like its own thing. It kind of stopped, but with this license, it kind of renewed and like it had like free reigns to everything. Mm-hmm. So around 2011, 2012, this is like a huge thing, you know, like we went from a dark rut and now all of a sudden, like everything just lined up right. Mm-hmm. Megablocks took the L with the Poo Poo movie and had Poo Poo sets. And everyone forgets about that. And now Lego just gets everything they want. And it really set a precedent because like from 2012 all the way up until now, like I think Lego Marvel and Legos DC, just Lego superhero, just any superhero in general with Lego is just so ingrained now in like toy culture and everything. Like it's become so accepted. Like I'm sure if you go around like YouTube, Reddit or like anything, just talk to like collectors, like they know of the Lego sets. They, I would argue that a good chunk of them would probably admire it or like a good chunk of like Marvel or just any fan admires and respects it. And yeah, it's just really cool to see that like these humble beginnings that I remember like doing the initial survey for like, do people know anything about the original Spider-Man sets? Like, oh, and they were like, oh, you mean from like 2012 and stuff? I'm like, no, like, did you know they had sets from 2002, 2003, 2004? And they're like, no, I never knew that. So that was like kind of the clue, like we should make a history series on this because it's not well known, but it was like such a big trailblazer. Like it basically set the standard for what we know today. It went from like, rigid movie sets, maybe a couple non-canon, uh, a test for Lego at the time in Marvel, as we talked about in episode one with like their financial situations and it paid off very well. It's just really cool to see that how like everything just, I guess for lack of a better term, it no pun intended, everything just clicked together. Yeah. I feel like a lot of it was due in part with a lot of hard work on the MCU side of things. Like mm-hmm. people forget, like there was a bit of a phase where they were just building up, um, a reputation with like Iron Man and then there was there was like a bit of a gap between Avengers and Iron Man right there were like mm-hmm. a couple of movies yeah and it was yeah so a lot of hard work there and so like while people love to like crap on the MC I mean I'm one of them too I love to crap on the MCU now right yeah. there's been a lot a big dip in quality it should be acknowledged that they put a lot put in a lot of work to eventually gain back rights and like build something up that was very unique, right? Like yeah. the MC, there's nothing really that compares to MCU right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So like when I talked about that build up phase, like so the Thor movies, the Captain America and whatnot, Iron Man 2. So there was a, there was a lot of like work done there. So yeah, it was really cool to see. Yeah. So yeah, I think that pretty much covers everything about the original sets from 2002 to 2004. Mm-hmm. Small building block, but it, is like the structural foundation for what we know today. And yeah, hope you guys enjoyed this multi-part series. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Blocks and Talks. Make sure you like, share, subscribe, follow, whatever you do. And yeah, keep an eye out because next week we'll be starting up our new series. Keep an eye out on social media as we start teasing what it will be. Take care.